and welcome back, or maybe this is your first time listening, in which case, just welcome. Either way, you're listening to Virtually Legal, the podcast aimed at helping people get into law and beyond. For those of you that have been here before, you may notice that Abby's missing from the series, and unfortunately, you're just stuck with me. So if you are really just here for the Abby content, I won't be offended if you want to exit stage left now. But before you do, I should mention that I have a guest on this week that may convince you to stay. So please give a big round of applause and welcome back to the podcast, Chrissy Wolf. Thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure to be back after just over a year, I think, a little bit longer, 18 months. Um, so Chrissy actually emailed me this morning and was like, Molly, is <laughs> is this going to be um, a recorded podcast or is it just going to be audio? And I'm I'm happy to report that it is just audio because I have just faked hand. I'm sat here with spot patches on. And right now you would definitely say that I have a face for radio. <laughs> Well, ditto, I am in my permanent life of swimwear as I live over in Dubai, so we're both in our comfies today. I'm, I'm kind of in like the opposite of swimwear right now. <laughs> I've got off topic there, but getting back into it. So I like each series to have a theme. And so the theme for the next three episodes will be focusing on people that have previously studied law or had a career in law and then moved on to pastures anew. So if you're a law student and you're listening, you might be surprised to know that there is more to life than private practice. And hopefully that's what we're going to introduce you to over the next three episodes. This week, though, I'm going to be talking to Chrissy about the job that everyone seems to do, even though no one really knows what it is, and that is consultancy. So, Chrissy, first question for you. What is your job? <laughs> the C word, consultancy, the one that everyone talks about, and there are numerous memes and TikTok videos talking about how... Girls in Clapham, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who no one really knows what they do. And I think there's I think there's a lot of good reason for that, because there are about a million different definitions of consultant. There is no real sort of one one size fits all definition of what a consultant does. So I think sort of broadly, there's two ways that people talk about being a consultant. I think people can talk about it as kind of being a kind of level, certain level of qualification, or they can talk about it as the kind of way they practice in a kind of freelance way. But I will talk about, as you asked, what my job is and sort of try and apply that to some more kind of standardised definitions, because my definition for consultancy, I don't think anyone has my job. I think it's completely unique and I don't even know how to describe what I do. So I, I will have a go. Like a like a build your own career type thing. This is absolutely build your own career. So basically, I um, I do a patchwork of different things. So when I left private practice, which was about 18 months ago, I wasn't entirely sure what I was going to do next, in all honesty. Um, I got to a point where I just knew that that wasn't the right thing for me anymore. And I had been sort of picking up DMs and receiving DMs from people inquiring for all sorts of projects, really, that they would like my help and advice with. And when you're in practice, you can't just go around picking up other bits of work for other companies. You know, you are obviously contractually bound to the company that you're employed employed with so I kind of looked at these things I thought these would actually be really interesting projects to do why don't I pick up some of these projects um in the short term because I'm interested in sort of business of law side as well so mm. I picked up some so I sort of started replying to some of these dms I also had a long-term mentor which was a guy called Mark Cohen who edits the Forbes column uh, edits a legal column of Forbes in the US and he'd been my mentor for a long time and we'd always said that we really wanted to work together 
So there were sort of various things I thought, right, yes, I want to do these projects kind of in the short term while I figure out what the next stage is going to be. So the primary work I was doing and I'm still doing, in fact, is with Mark. So his company called the Digital Legal Exchange, which is effectively a membership organization of um, a collection of large multinational companies. And it's their in-house teams that effectively we bring together and we focus on streamlining the in-house legal team with the rest of the business through digital transformation. So it's, so it's kind of like embedding your in-house legal team and yeah, making basically. sure they're not like a totally separate arm. Exactly, because historically in-house legal teams have kind of operated in silos and they haven't really been part of the business and they're seen as kind of blockers. And no one really and likes them. No one really like, likes them, they just yeah, say no. It's, it's, yeah. it's like, has anyone asked legal? Oh God, we've got to ask legal. Exactly. If you watch any of Alex Sue's TikToks, then you'll know exactly how the in-house legal team is viewed. So effectively, we're trying to sort of dispel that, really. Um, so completely different to what I was doing before. What I was doing before was clinical negligence work, as I probably talked about on the previous podcast um so a complete move from re really like personal legal services private client over to business and in-house which i was always really interested in because i think you kind of really to 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 be an effective lawyer you really need to understand both sides of it you need to understand the clients that you are representing in the practice context but you also need to understand how how business works and how to actually kind of make money uh, and make financial decisions. So I really wanted to get a little bit more of that exposure, which you don't really do so much in private practice. You're quite siloed into your individual role in terms of these are your clients, this is your role, you bill this many hours and this is what you do. But until you get much higher up in sort of partner board level, you're relatively sheltered from kind of the operation side of the business, which I was really interested in. And that's sort of the primary work that I've been doing, but also kind of other bits of other smaller projects so some people have asked me to help them kind of attract and retain junior talent so a little bit of consulting around sort of culture attraction retention of talent uh, processes to kind of facilitate div diversity and inclusion that sort of work some people have asked me to help consult on their digital marketing and sort of social media strategy because obviously that's kind of a lot of what I've done through LAB mm. has has been kind of creating a personal brand building a net building an engaged network on social media but within the legal space which is quite niche so I've been consulting for some legal businesses and law firms along those lines to kind of help them help them with their social media strategy so various different things and that's sort of my consultancy arm I would say and then I'm also alongside that I also still run LAB so I still do events brand deals um, advertising on social media so that's kind of like a, a second income stream and then third income stream is kind of public speaking um, and webinars and things like that. So sort of my life at any given time is a patchwork of, of those things, really. And so at the moment, you're working as a freelance consultant, which kind of means that you're technically self-employed, right? Exactly right. Yeah. So I, yeah, so I opted to be self-employed. And the reason I was able to do that was because I sort of built the business around the work rather than the other way around. I sort of had these inquiries already and thought, okay, mm. I can take on these projects. So I, I had the work coming in, so I didn't need to join a consultancy necessarily, which is what a lot of people do. The logical sort of step, if you want to go into a consultancy type model, is to join a consultancy. When you talk about consultant in terms of legal services, so let's sort of split this up a little bit, because a lot of people become consultants who are actually in practice. And generally speaking, when you're when you become a, a legal consultant in legal practice, you normally have to be 
at a certain level of qualification because you have to reach a certain level of expertise to be to be a consultant normally if you're joining a consultancy to practice legal services often they ask for a minimum of five years pqe before you can go into a consult that's not that's not exclusive they don't all ask for that but generally speaking a consultant in that regard is somebody who has reached a certain level of expertise you know like if you go to the doctor and you're referred to the consultant that's the person who has reached a certain level of qualification has a certain level of experience they're the expert and that's sort of the more traditional definition of consultant but just to add you know further spanner in the works i am actually about about to join a consultancy to do some legal practice but because i'm now seven years qualified i am qualified to kind of be a consultant in my expert remit in addition to in my freelance remit does that make any sense whatsoever yeah your life just sounds like so wild at the moment and it's actually like we've just got off a zoom and like on the one hand you're so chilled you're like sat there in a bikini in Dubai like living your best life but like it just sounds manic and okay right so let's say someone's not going into legal consulting they've they've done what you do and they they really want to branch into something different like they've got they've got bags of skills that they've learned in private practice but the content they want to be different like how do you determine whether or not you're experienced enough to become a consultant like it seems like a bit of a self-certification type thing going Mm. on and that you you just maybe need to be really comfortable being uncomfortable perhaps yeah that's absolutely true you kind of have to be comfortable backing yourself in the face of the unknown I think I think there's two factors to consider, because if you are going to join a consultancy practice, then they will normally define the parameters for you. They will normally say you need to have this many years of experience, whether it be in business, whether it be in law, etc. So if you're joining a consultancy firm, in some ways it's a bit easier because you just know whether or not you meet the criteria to join that consultancy firm. Because I set up on my own, I didn't really have those factors. And basically I took I took the sort of backing from the fact that I had clients who were messaging me asking yeah. me to consult for them. And how, how do you kind of deal with that when, how do you deal with that when you've got a client that says that, you know, like, I think you're able to do this yeah. and I would, I'd love you to run this project for me. How do you deal with those alarm bells in your head being like, I, I, I this is like the first time I've actually done this. Yeah, that was that was a big that was a big hurdle, actually. And also that and like, how on earth do you even price that? Like someone's always priced my time for me as an employer. You know, it's like they just price you out an hourly rate, which has nothing to do with you. And then, you know, you get paid whatever they want to pay you. But this is like, right. okay, so I'm doing something that I've never done before. Uh, Someone's paying me for it. How on earth do I charge this? And also because I was doing quite obscure stuff. It's not like you just can just Google like someone who's doing this job because it was all very nuanced it was like okay so I'm helping this person with their social media but I you know I don't have a degree in social media I don't have qualifications in that I've you know been doing it since 2017 but then they're illegal so I also need to combine the years that I've spent in a law firm because that's also relevant to this so it's kind of this mismatch of factors that you're trying to come up with to be like okay what is a reasonable price to charge for what they're asking me to do when it combines all of these different um, elements of my experience and there is no hard and fast rule. It's a steep learning curve because at the beginning, I def- there were definitely times where I quoted something and people snapped it up and I thought, oh, God, that was too oh, late. Geez, you know, really, when people just go, really yes, yes, short there. yeah, yeah, yeah. People just go, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, great, great, great. And you go, oh, 
damp. Uh, and then other times, like the cringe where you'd put it out and they'd say like, absolutely not. And you'd be yeah. like, oh yeah, uh, uh, obviously I was joking. Obviously I was joking. <laughs> yeah. I think, anyway, half that. I think, yeah, you, you always start, I think you always start off a bit too low. Like you always undervalue yourself, particularly if it's a new remit that you're in because this was me kind of consulting yeah exactly something that I'd I'd never done it's all very well if it had been legal consultancy it's almost easier because it's like my hourly rate is almost is is governed by the court more or less it's like if I'm a grade Mm. c or d or b this is my hourly rate and you almost don't you don't have to feel guilty about it you don't really have to cost it it's just set by the court there you go um this is a lot a lot harder so and inevitably you undervalue yourself you know if you're that kind of person who's ambitious and and humble and suffers with imposter syndrome like I do um you're definitely going to undervalue yourself at the beginning but I think sometimes that's not a bad thing because at the very beginning the trick is like when you're off on your own you actually just need to get working because you're there and you just you know you've suddenly gone from a nice cushy salary to oh my God, I'm on my own. I don't have a regular salary. I don't know where my next paycheck is is coming from. And actually it makes sense to get the work in initially and then kind of build up to it. Yeah. Okay. So there's obviously a bit of a bit of a gap perhaps with a bit of like business acumen perhaps for a private practice lawyer transitioning into this area. And there is things that you'll kind of just need to like pick up along the way. Um, but putting a more positive spin on it, what skills do you think you took from private practice or from studying law? Like, If you could choose like one thing that you think has been quite valuable to you. And generally, do you think that lawyers are like predisposed to being able to become consultants? I guess I'm thinking just because like part of my job is just giving advice. So I think it seems like it would lend quite nicely. But do you think that's the case? Yeah, I think there's a few different factors to to consider. I think I think if you're thinking about becoming a consultant, then I think the sort of one one key skill that is really important and that is your people skills, particularly if you're going to do it on your own because you need to bring in your own work. That's sort of the key mm. in some ways that's probably the key con of becoming a consultant is you know when you're in practice you just get given work work gets brought in it gets allocated to you off you go Bob's your uncle when you do it on your own you actually have to go out and bring in that work so I would say definitely during my career in private practice I built up those people skills I built up my network through LinkedIn I went to loads of networking events and that stood me in good stead to then be able to bring in my own work so that is a is a really key part of it I think in terms of the skills, because a lot of people just go go on to consult in exactly what they were practicing in, but they just do it in the consultancy model because of the benefits of, of consultancy. Yeah, the freedom, you yeah. get to choose how much work you want to take on, when what work you take on. In terms of the cost, it's, it's, way, it's way better from a financial point of view in terms of how much of your hourly rate you actually take home in your pocket. You know, it's ex, you know, exponentially more than you take home being employed so actually in terms of the skills you don't really need to change that much if all you're doing is going from being an employed lawyer to a consultant lawyer in the same remit or the really the additional skills you need are the ability to bring in your own work and I suppose to a certain extent you also need to be quite self-motivated and prepared to go into an arena where you're on your own because you're not part of a team anymore you know you suddenly Mm. you're doing this on your own so you need to be okay with that and I think in the current climate 
it's slightly easier, the transition is slightly easier because people have been working from home on their own remotely for a while now. But yeah, actually you kind true. of, you, you lose that sort of team atmosphere to, you know, to go to being on your own. So I think that's, that's something to think about. If you are staying in the same remit, but just moving from employed to consultancy, I'd say the key things to think about are, do you think you can bring in your own work realistically? Are you happy to work on your own as part of a team or as opposed to a part of a team? And thirdly, have you got the finances? Have you got financial stability? Because the thing about consultancy is it doesn't pay regularly. It pays when you bring in the work and there may well be droughts in that period of time. Depending on the type of if you're doing legal work, if you are doing transactional work, then that may pay fairly regularly, depending on how many clients you've got. Uh, Yeah. And I I guess something like that, you'd kind of know like when you're going to get your paycheck. You know, if someone says, I want this deal to close by this time, it's like, Okay, well, that ties in with when my rent is due. So like, happy days. Yeah, exactly. I I would say if, if you are kind of thinking about going into consultancy for the first year or so while you build up your client base and kind of find your feet, I would definitely make sure you've got other income streams on the go. Uh, if you join a consultancy firm that potentially has work available for you, that's not as much of an issue. But if you're going to do it on your own, you definitely need to have other forms of financial stability to kind of make sure they'll see you through whilst you're figuring out kind of what your fee structure is, how many clients you're going to be bringing in, all of that kind of stuff, because your pay is just erratic for the first you know, year, basically. And so in terms of like lifestyle if any if anyone were to go on your instagram right now which i'd really recommend that people do because it's quite it's quite something but i think it's it's slightly misleading that it looks so glamorous and i'm just i'm not convinced that anyone's life can be like that the whole time so like what does okay so we're recording today it's a thursday what what have you got planned today what's like a a day in the life Okay, so I'm I'm living over in Dubai at the moment where I spent the last two winters. This will be my third winter in Dubai. And we had a bit of a chat about this before where um, more or less I just choose to work remotely from here. There are sort of a couple of work lines that I'm exploring over here, but I pretty much work remotely here because... I like it better than being in the UK in the winter, um, in, in all honesty. So because there's a four hour time difference from the UK, my main client who I was talking about, he's actually that the, the chairman is actually based over in the US. So I have to sort of balance out my time zones a little bit because I do a bit of work in the UK, like public speaking, online events, etc. And then some of my consultancy work is based over in the US. But because I'm not on a nine to five, really, because that's not really how consultancy work works. That was my next question. Does it go from being like, is it that famous thing that's like so overdone on Instagram now where it's like I left my nine to five and now I've got a 24-7 like do you think that's the case or do you think it starts like that and then it calms down it's 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 whatever you make it in all honesty it is whatever you make it because I have sort of set up this consultancy on my own I am the master of my time in terms of saying how much I want to take on and I am quite stringent in terms of wanting my free time so I think I'm sort of still in the adjustment period where sort of I went from being in private practice and having to work like 50 60 hours a week for a salary and now being able to earn that same salary if not more in like 15 to 20 hours a week so I'm kind of in that zone where I'm like I'm actually quite (laughs) enjoying having that bit of extra time because that was the reason why I did it because I wanted to have more time to work on LAB I wanted to create more content 
so I did deliberately go into that model kind of for financial reasons and to free up more of my time to do that but I like the fact that because I can kind of charge by the hour that and and that money goes more or less straight into my account there's if I you know want to go on holiday in a couple of weeks time and I know I need you know a thousand pounds for flights Mm, I'm like right okay I need you know I need a thousand pounds in two weeks time so you know I need to pull my finger out yeah so I can work an extra you know I need to work an extra you know x hours in order to make that up um but there are lots of benefits of being employed um, which you don't get from being a freelancer so and you obviously have to kind of pay all of your own costs as well you know you've got to pay for your software overheads you've got to work out your own tax your own insurance so like think yeah think yeah things like pension holiday pay sick pay exactly yeah no sick pay it's it's a bit more secure i imagine Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there are loads and loads of security benefits of being employed loads, but you are paying for those benefits in terms of like how much you get of your hourly rate. You're paying a lot of your hourly rate to your employer for that for those Mm. benefits. So I think if you're you have to kind of if you're thinking about going to consultancy, you kind of have to look at those. You have to look at those things and see if you if you want and need those benefits of employment, then it's worth paying for them. But if you don't want slash need those benefits, then it's really not worth paying for them. And you're better off as a consultant keeping more of your hourly rate. Perhaps it kind of depends on the person and the lifestyle. Like, you know, if you're someone in your like late 20s, early 30s, you haven't got kids, perhaps you don't own a house you you maybe can afford to take the risk a bit more but if if you've got commitments that you know you need to meet maybe you'd be more suited to you know the guaranteed income and the sick pay and all the rest of it yeah absolutely like obviously like maternity pay is another one you don't get that if you're self-employed you know there's I mean there's like various different insurances that you you can take out but you're kind of responsible for that and they're, they're nowhere near as good as the perks mm. of being employed particularly by a large law firm where they're really generous with sick pay maternity pay you know if you if you need kind of time off you know for like stress and burnout all of those things that there are big benefits to being employed versus self-employed but you pay for those benefits so you know there's all there's always a cost payoff somewhere you know you've just got to look at what the things that are more important to you and what works better for you yeah I think that's a fantastic place to end it Chrissy thank you so much for coming on I felt like Halfway through the episode, I was ready to jack in my whole career and become a <laughs> consultant. But I think I was brought. I think I was brought back down to earth by the end. So it's definitely not something that you should just throw yourself into without having a plan and without having thought it through. So mm. yeah, definitely lots of food for thought.